0: Hey guys, welcome back to Who Really Knows. Today we have something special for you. We're gonna be telling some scary stories. Yes. I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> All of us are leaving after this. Oh yeah. Okay. And it's like almost nighttime. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the first story um is from Reddit the subreddit of no sleep it's called what i saw through the keyhole
1: Oh my gosh.
0: yeah <laughs> okay so a traveling salesman stopped at a shabby motel for the night and checked in at the front desk the lady gave him his key and told him that on his way to his room there was a door with no number that was locked nobody is allowed in she told him and don't be tempted to look inside the room is off limits to all So as a good man should, he followed the instructions of the woman going straight to his room, and soon after, to bed. The next night, his curiosity picked at him. He'd barely slept the night before because his mind was racing, wondering what could be in that room that wasn't supposed to see. He walked down to the hall to the door and paced in front of it for a moment. Started to try the handle, stopped, and started again. As he had thought it would be, it was locked. Standing for a moment, he finally bent down and looked through the wide, old-fashioned keyhole. It was old, made of brass, and looked as if a skeleton key should have been paired to it. Cold air passed through it, turning the orb that was his eye into ice. What he saw was a motel bedroom, not unlike his, complete with worn carpet and stained comforter, tarnished bedside lamp and peeling wallpaper, except in the corner was a woman, standing, whose skin was white as ivory, with hair as black as ink. She was leaning into the wall, nose in the corner, like a child who had misbehaved and is being punished for it. He stared in mute fascination for a while but she never moved. He became worried. She was unnaturally still. He could not even detect her taking the faintest of breaths. She was a mannequin, a doll, snow-white being chastised while in her slumber. He almost knocked on the door out of curiosity, out of worry and fascination and some compulsion. Something whispered in the back of his mind that he needed to go in He needed to save her. He almost knocked, almost tried the knob again. Something told him that this time it would not be locked. But something stayed in his hand. He had been warned away from this door, this room. Something was not right. He turned and left the door. Holding up in his room for the night, only to go to bed to toss and turn in a fitful sleep. "'haunted by formless terrors, both in his dreams and out. "'The next day, the salesman determinedly strode to the door "'and looked through the still-glinting, still-icy keyhole. "'All he saw was red. Mm.
1: "'He
0: couldn't make out anything beyond the unnerving crimson colour. "'He thought maybe he'd been found out, tattled upon, "'and the occupiers of the room had covered the keyhole.' He was angry that he could not see his lady one more time before leaving but something about the red nagged at him hovering at the back of his mind something was not right as he was checking out and turning in the key he decided to ask something of the woman guarding the desk would you mind telling me why the room with no number is off limits he asked she looked at him in the eye a moment and finally took a deep breath did you look She said, tell me the truth. The salesman was on the verge of telling her that he had, but had after a slight moment of hesitation that he hoped she hadn't seen, but had. He told her that he had not looked, but was just curious as to the story. Well, I might as well tell you. A long time ago, before my time here, a strange couple rented out that room. Acted oddly, from what I hear, One night, about a week into their stay, and in utter silence, the husband murdered his wife in that room. Her ghost still haunts it, she said with complete certainty. A few people have dared to look into that room, and all who have seen her ghost look back have died gruesome deaths. At this point, the salesman took an easy breath because he had not looked at her. His snow white, but she had not looked back. But these people were not ordinary, the receptionist continued. They were albinos, you know, the whitest skin you've ever seen. Except for their eyes, of course, which were red.
2: <gasps> no! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Did you get it? Like he was staring at the eyes? Yeah. <sighs> Wait, is this a true story? I don't know. Oh <laughs> god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I don't want to go home. <laughs>
0: So that's that's my cue. I'm gonna go hold
2: <laughs> What the hell? Oh my gosh. Ew.
0: That was like a a scary story that I heard when I was like ten and I started crying. <laughs> I was literally shaking and crying and I was like, I didn't go home, couldn't sleep for like a week. What? Okay. So our next
2: story <laughs> <laughs> Okay. This is called The Smiling Man. Oh my gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> oh I'm so scared. Okay. <laughs> there better not be any like pictures. About five years ago, I lived downtown in a major city in the US. I've always been a night person, so I would often find myself bored after my roommate, who was decidedly not a night person, went to sleep. To pass the time, I used to go for long walks and spend the time thinking. I spent four years like that, walking alone at night, and never once had a reason to feel afraid. I always used to joke with my roommate that even the drug dealers in the city were polite. But all of that changed in just a few minutes of one evening. <laughs> it was a Wednesday. Somewhere between 1 and 2 in the morning, and I was walking near a police patrol park quite a ways from my apartment. It was a quiet night, even for a weeknight, with very little traffic and almost no one on foot. The park, as it was most nights, was completely empty. I turned down a short side street in order to loop back to my apartment when I first noticed him. At the far end of the street on my side was the silhouette of a man dancing. It was a strange dance, similar to a waltz, but he finished each box with an odd forward stride. I guess you could say he was dance-walking. <laughs> Headed straight for me. Please. <laughs> Deciding he was probably drunk, I stepped as close as I could to the road to give him the majority of the sidewalk to pass me by. The closer he got, the more I realized how gracefully he was moving. He was very tall and lanky, and wearing an old suit. He danced closer, still, until I could make out his face. His eyes were wide open and wild head tilted back slightly, looking off at the sky. His mouth was formed in a painful, painfully wide cartoon of a smile. Between the eyes and the smile, I decided to cross the street before he danced any closer. I took my eyes off him to cross the empty street. As I reached the other side, I glanced back and then stopped dead in my tracks. He had stopped dancing and was standing with one foot in the street, perfectly parallel to me. He was facing me, but still looked skywards, Smile still wide on his lips. I was completely and utterly unnerved by this. I started walking again, but kept my eyes on the man. He didn't move. Once I had put about half a block between us, I turned away from him for a moment to watch the sidewalk in front of me. The street and sidewalk ahead of me were completely empty. Still unnerved, I looked back to where he had been standing to find him gone. For the briefest of moments, I felt relieved. Until I noticed him. He had crossed the street and was now slightly crouched down. I couldn't tell for sure due to the distance and the shadow, but I was certain he was facing me. I looked away from him for no more than ten seconds, so it was clear that he had moved fast. I was so shocked that I stood there for some time, staring at him, and then he started moving towards me again. He took giant, exaggerated, tiptoed steps as if he were a cartoon character sneaking up on someone, except he was moving very, very quickly. I'd like to say at this point I ran away or pulled out my pepper spray or my cell phone or anything at all, but I didn't. I just stood there, completely frozen as the smiling man crept towards me. Mm -hmm. And then he stopped again, about a car length away from me, still smiling his smile, still looking to the sky. When I finally found my voice, I blurted out the first thing that came to mind. What I meant to ask was, what the fuck do you want? (laughs) In an angry, commanding tone, but what came out was a whimper. Regardless of whether or not humans can smell fear, they can certainly hear it. I heard it in my own voice and that only made me more afraid But he didn't react to it at all He just stood there, smiling And then after what felt like forever He turned around very slowly and started dance-walking away Just like that (laughs) Not wanting to turn my back to him again I just watched him go Until he was far enough to almost be out of sight And then I realized something He wasn't moving away anymore Nor was he dancing. I watched in horror as the distant shape of him grew larger and larger. (gasps) He was coming back my way, and this time, he was running. (laughs) I ran too. (laughs) I ran until I was off the side road and back onto a better lit road with sparse traffic. Looking behind me, then, he was nowhere to be found. The rest of the way home, I kept glancing over my shoulder always expecting to see his stupid smile, but he was never there. I lived in the city for six months after that night and never went out for another walk. There's something about his face that almost haunted me. He didn't look drunk. He didn't look high. He looked completely and utterly insane. And that's a very, very scary thing to see.
0: Ew. Ew! Ew! We have
2: you know? I, I, I was, like, I was reading I was literally, like, picturing his face. I, I was thinking about that guy from, like, um, what's that white clown? It? No, um, the one that we watched at, like, Shia's house, but then we thought mm. it was, like, really gross.
1: Oh, Poltergeist?
2: No. Like, before we watched, like, the black phone, what did we watch? The Smile?
0: You know? No. Was it not
2: Poltergeist? The Clown? It's like, the the Terrifier. Oh! Yeah, I, I was literally oh. thinking about that guy. Oh my god,
1: I can't. Mm. Okay, hopefully this one's good. <laughs> Third time's the charm. Okay, so this one is called "Mommy Sleeps in the Basement." Um, okay, I put my hand up next to my ear from the back of the room, signaling that she should, she would need to raise her voice. She took a deep breath. I could see anxiety turning her cheeks beet red as strands of blonde hair began to fall out of the same nappy ponytail she wore every day. There's something about her so familiar, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. With her face glued to the paper, too afraid to make eye contact, she quickly sputtered out, Hi, my name is Paisley Jackson, and this is my poem called My Family. Paisley was a shy little girl. In fact, she was one of the quietest students I'd ever had in my 10 years of teaching, which I guess being the youngest of 11 would do that to anyone. Surprisingly, she was very smart. unlike the rest of her siblings who were dumber dumber <laughs> who were dumber than a box of rocks lord the jackson kids were such a headache except for paisley of course i just wish i could have given her more opportunities to improve her future don't get me wrong i tried to help paisley i really did i gave her clothes food and even had funds lined up for her but living dirt poor in a shack out in the middle of the desert was a bad hand to be dealt with in life besides no matter what i did it wouldn't have made a difference everyone knows about the cycle of poverty is almost impossible to break i crossed my legs pen in hand preparing for yet another bland story about a family i'd never get to meet if you ever worked with underprivileged kids you know that guardian involvement is is quite rare when it came to interest in their daughter's education paisley's parents were no exception i have two mommies one named betty who can make good spaghetti i call her mom she's the one that's married to my dad tom One named Claire with pretty yellow hair. I call her Mommy. Dad calls her his project, his hobby. Being smack dab in the middle of Utah, I've seen hundreds of polygamous families, so this didn't strike me odd. Besides, even though polygamy is illegal, I try to keep my nose in my own business. Mom takes care of us all. She can do that because she's so tall. Mommy wears a pretty silver bracelet. She wears it because she's so famous. When be the first time i saw kids coming up with stories about celebrity parents to add excitement to their ordinary lives i just didn't expect to expect it to come from paisley mommy has me and tommy he's one of my older brothers mom is a lot older she has all the others i cringed that meant one of the paisley's mothers had been had given birth to nine children i couldn't imagine going through that many pregnancies dad says me and tommy are a gift from god he'll never hit us with a rod His pride and joy is Tommy, but he says the only person he truly loves is Mommy. I looked up from my gradebook with the line about a rod catching my attention. However, this wasn't my first time my students have accidentally reported abuse. Truth is, CPS picks and chooses who they want to help. Mom is having another baby. She's mad Dad wants to name it Daisy. Mommy can't have no more kids. Her last one died of SIDS. Shifting my seat, I scribbled down a note reminding myself to deliver my daughter's old baby close to the Jackson, Jackson's shack. As a mother myself, I know babies can be expensive. Dad says she did it on purpose because she wanted to run off and join the circus. Mom says it wasn't her fault. I promised to keep that secret in the me and her vault. I shook my head in sadness. How could someone bring a grieving, blame a grieve, grieving mother for something she couldn't control? Mommy was the one Dad chose. He watched her watched all of her school shows. They were joined in the night. Daddy says inside her is a lot of fight. Mom is just the cover. Dad doesn't really love her. I threw my hand up. A gesture meaning stop. I taught my students, but Paisley didn't look up. She continued to read, oblivious to my disappointed frown. Obviously, one of her siblings put her up to this as a joke. Mommy says she needs to get out. She wants to show me what life is all about. Dad gets mad. It's his biggest pet peeve. Mommy is sad. She just wants to leave. "'Mommy sings to me her favorite song. "'Mom says Dad's head is is wired wrong. "'Shaking my head, I sighed. "'Another child with so much potential "'and such a kind heart was stuck "'in the middle of a lover's quarrel "'that didn't even involve her. "'Last birthday, I wanted to take Mommy "'to see my favorite basketball team. "'She made me a cake with frosted buttercream. "'I got to see the Knicks, but Dad said "'he made a mistake he couldn't fix. "'Nothing is the same anymore. "'I don't know why for sure. "'Now Dad cries at night alone.' He asked God, what have I done? To mom, he no longer tends. She hopes the baby will make amends. Paisley rose her head with a smile, looking for my approval. Although I was appalled at the inappropriateness of her poem, I didn't want to break her spirits. She was clearly very proud of it and scolding her for something that wasn't her wrongdoing was just going to send that little girl back into her shell that I've been trying to break for months. So instead, I clapped, making the rest of the class who were too young to understand the gravity of the situation applaud too. Mrs. June, I bought a picture of mommy for extra credit. It's got one more part of the po- poem. Can I show the class? I nodded my head, thinking there couldn't possibly any, be any details worse than what she had already presented. Paisley reached into the front pocket of her old, worn-out hand-me-down dress, pulling on an old, aging photo. She flipped the flaking photo around, at, displaying it as if it was her most prized possession. My blood ran cold. I finally figured out why Paisley looked so familiar to me. In what seemed to be a school photograph smiling ear-to-ear exactly like Paisley was a young woman by the name of Claire Daisy. She was a high school student popular for her ability to gain the lead in every school play that went missing without a trace 12 years prior. She was last seen leaving theater practice late one night, but then she just vanished. No sign of a struggle. No witnesses. No evidence. No body. Nothing. Her case was covered on every news station in Utah for a while because of how peculiar it was until people lost interest. Paisley happily continued. I was so in shock I couldn't stop her as she read off the back of the picture. There is one thing I don't understand, and maybe you'll have the answer at hand. If Dad's love for Mommy will never sway, why did he treat her that way? Mom lays her head on a nice soft bed, but Mommy sleeps in the basement under a big slab of cement. Wait, so there's two
0: moms? No, mommy is, um, like, got those, the girl that was kidnapped.
1: And he kept her in the basement.
0: And, like, Paisley, like, she had children with the, like, the kidnapped girl.
1: Like, Paisley is... The dad? The daughter of the mom. Of the
0: kidnapped girl.
1: Yeah. Oh. And now, and then I guess he killed her, because he lays, or she sleeps under a slab of cement.
0: No, I feel like he's just holding her captive. Oh, so the This is basement. A true story. Yeah. <sighs> what?
1: This is a true story? Yeah. Brother. <laughs>
0: is there, like, a what happened? Was the police
2: called?
1: I don't know. Didn't say.
2: That's so messed.
1: I like, like, true stuff. That yeah. scares me more.
2: That reminds me of that, like, um, the movie about, like, the dad who kept his daughter in the basement. Have you heard the The girl story? in the basement? Yeah. And that was a true story too, right? Mm-hmm. They had, like, so many kids. Oh. Maybe it's that. Oh my
0: gosh. Okay. Here's another one. It's called, I found a tape of a woman being killed.
2: Oh my
0: gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was at my grandmother's house helping my grandmother move furniture around. She became my mother figure after the death of my mother... When I was a young child, and I had been staying with her ever since my car accident. My grandmother helped nurse me back into health, so I made an effort to alleviate her of any of all physical tasks I felt it was the least I could do. It was in the attic, when I accidentally knocked over a box. The box was filled with VHS tapes, with the farthest dating back to 1990. That was what was written on them. Wait, <laughs> All that was written on them was the year. There was a TV in the attic as well because we used the attic as more like a functioning room than a storage space. So I decided to play the oldest tape. I expected to see happy memories, home videos, scenery, anything other than this. The video starts with whoever is holding the camera, filming a woman sitting alone at a small table at a coffee shop. She's reading. The camera was zoomed in on her, hair glowing in the light, fixed. The tape then skips to a new setting, in what looks like downtown Chicago somewhere. I can see the back of the same woman from before, walking down the street, oblivious to the person trailing and filming behind her. The sky is now a dark gray. I can see lights from passing cars glinting off her shiny boots. The camera is clambering and rubbing up against the jacket of the cameraman. He or she is not far from her, but is far enough away to show that he or she is not with her, clearly stalking her. The scene lasted maybe five minutes of the monotonous monotonous walking until it shifted to the woman now bound and stowed in the trunk of a car. She was taped up, unable to speak. All I could hear was the sound of heavy rainfall accompanied by her screaming and crying. Her muffled panic broke my heart in two. My spine became frozen. I couldn't open my eyes any wider. Any moment the film could shift to something so much more grotesque, so morbid, so life-changing, and I could do nothing but watch in horror. I saw a black glove. Covered hand sprout from behind her. The camera slammed the trunk. Door closed, trapping her inside. It's now clearly night. The next scene skips to the woman, now beaten and bloody, while tied to a chair. The location looks to be a warehouse somewhere, the only light coming from a single fluorescent bulb above the woman, illuminating pools of crimson red blood at her feet. The camera is steadily held, so much that it seems to be propped up by a stand. I can hear the poor woman moaning in pain underneath the tape covering her mouth. I can also hear something shifting around on the concrete, like someone adjusting their stance. It seemed manic. I could hear clambering of metal, like tools being packed or unpacked from a bag. My stomach now fully turned. The stalker then walks into the frame, showing only his back. His head was completely covered in a balaclava. He carried a blade in his right hand, My heart completely halted. The stalker held her drooping head up, tilted her face upwards, and began to slice her throat from her left ear all the way to the right. She squirmed and gargled in her desperate and useless attempt to survive. I had never seen so much blood in in my life. The killer then takes off his mask and stares into the camera, flashing a toothy grin. Then the film abruptly stops. I was held in place by my now-shot nerves. My blood slowed into stillness, completely discoloring my body into an almost corpse-like white. My grandmother was watching me. She shakingly tried to console me from across the room, struggling to form words, though the river of tears streaming down my face. She said she didn't want me to ever be reminded of who I was before my accident.
2: Wait, what? That was him? That was him? What? Oh my god. Oh hell no. I thought I was gonna be like, oh, that was your grandpa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: when I first read it, I was like, oh, the grandma did it. <laughs> and the grandma's gonna kill him.
2: <laughs> what? That's crazy. Crystal you This one has no title. I've been lying down for hours now, it's 5.35am, and there's not much I can do. You know what the worst part about my situation is? I'm in the same room with my parents. They keep looking at me and I can't help but look back and try not to cry or scream. Their eyes are focused on me and their mouths are wide open. There's a strong scent of blood and I'm paralyzed with fear. Here's the thing, the second that I make any hint that I'm not asleep, I'm completely fucked I will die and there's nobody around to save me I've been trying to think of a way out but the only idea I have is to rush from my bedroom door run outside the front door and scream for help hoping any neighbors hear me it's risky but if I stay here I'll surely die he's waiting for me to wake up and see his masterpiece you're probably wondering what's going on I do get ahead of myself sometimes About three hours ago, I heard screaming from the other side of the house. I got up and went to check on the noise, and I realized that I had used the restroom. Instead of doing the smart thing and investigating, I used the bathroom first. I could have gotten myself killed right then for my stupid actions, but I actually did my business and took a peek outside of the bathroom. There was blood on the carpet. I got very worried and ran back to my room and hid under my sheets like the pussy I was. I tried to convince myself to go back to sleep and that it was just some really vivid dream or something. I heard my bedroom door open, like the terrified child I was. I peeked from under my blankets to see what was going on. I could see something dragging my dead parents into the room. (gasps) Whatever it was, it wasn't human. I can tell you that. It was hairless, with no eyes and no clothing. It walked like a caveman, with its back slouched as it dragged my parents. But this thing was much smarter than any caveman. It was aware of what it was doing. It propped my dad up on the edge of my bed and made him face me. Then it sat my mother down in the chair and positioned her towards me as well. After that, it started rubbing its hands on the walls, staining them with blood, and then drew a circle with a pentagram in it. To finish it off, I scribbled a message on the wall that I couldn't read in the darkness. It then positions itself under my bed, waiting to strike. The scariest thing is now my eyes have adjusted to the darkness since then and I can read the message on the wall. I don't want to look at it, but it's terrifying to think about. But I feel the need to see before I'm killed. Oh my god! I peek at the creature's masterpiece. I know you're awake. Wait, it's under the bed. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: I don't like that. I don't like it.
1: Okay, I have one. This one's called, I should have read the reviews. My girlfriend moved out three weeks ago. My cat, Ruck, was really close to her. and Now that she's gone, I can tell he's a bit lonely, especially when I'm at work. I came home a few times to my curtains ripped up or all the toilet paper in shreds. The last straw was when I came home after working late to find he had clawed a hole the size of a dinner plate into the side of, a, of the sofa. I decided I had to do something. I tried different toys, even catnip, but nothing worked. One night, while browsing Amazon, I saw a pet camera. It's a tiny camera that records your pet on a live feed so you can monitor their behavior while you're away. It even has an audio function so you can talk to them. It sounded silly, but hey, I love my furry dude, so I bought it. I got overnight shipping and installed it immediately. I decided to set it up in my bedroom as that was where Ruck dwelled the most. My first day at work, I think I checked the camera thirty times. When I spoke into the microphone, Rock seemed to be happier and noticed that there was no destruction around the house either. By day four I figured I'd solve the problem with Rock. That leads to me leads me to right now. About thirty minutes ago I climbed in bed with Rock, ready to close my eyes when my phone buzzed. A notification from the pet cam. I almost ignored it, sure I just triggered the thing. But I opened it anyway, what I saw made my grip tighten on the phone. Instead of a video of myself in bed, I saw a man, tall, gangly, with pale skin and large eyes. He was moving into my room with exaggerated steps, like a sneaking cartoon character. He got up right up to the lens, so close I could almost smell his rotten breath, and he smiled. I immediately paused the video, terrified. I looked at the spot where the man should have been standing, but there was no one there. I went on to Amazon and found the pet cam and read the reviews, hoping for some weird glitch. It had to be a joke, right? The first dozen reviews were pretty standard, but, had, but it was the last that caused me to bolt upright. The customer complained that the camera was on a time delay, sometimes as much as 15 minutes. I went back to the video and pressed play with shaky fingers. I watched in horror as the man slithered, slithered under my bed, giving the camera a wink before disappearing in the darkness. Then I saw myself enter the room and climb in bed before the video ended. Now I'm sitting in my bed, knowing he's under it. I could call the police, but I doubt I'd have time. So please, do yourselves a favor and read the reviews. Ew. <laughs> that makes me not want to buy a ring camera. Just so uh, so like, you'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that one time you were here and you got like that notification that there was someone at your door? And I was like, and then you were like, Who oh, the frick is this guy? Was it your uncle? <laughs> No, <laughs> oh, there was like
0: my um there's one time where like we have like a ring outside our my door mm-hmm. and it went off at like two AM <laughs> and my brother he goes into my room, wakes me up and he's like someone someone's here and I'm like <laughs> And then um we're looking around the house and then I'm like checking the ring camera, and then in the ring there was like this guy that was like trying to get into our backyard, <gasps> and then like it like literally seconds after my brother opens the door, as he like leaves, let <laughs> me cry. Wait, so what happened? Well, I don't know. I think he like the guy was like trying to steal um, stuff from our backyard. I don't think he ever came back. But after that, I was, like, checking my ring every day. (laughs) I was, like, so scared.
1: That's why I don't want a ring. Because,
0: like, my sister's motorcycle got, like, taken, right? Oh, yeah. And that was, like, after that. So I'm like, oh, maybe it's, like, Mm. people just are, like, targeting us. Oh,
1: my God. That was a long time ago. Don't you have cameras in your house? That scares me even more. (laughs)
0: Yeah. No. Uh, no. I think it did. It's, like inside but it goes it looks outside oh (laughs) but not really we just use like the outside camera
1: i saw this thing where it's like you know like it's kind of like common now to have cameras in your house there's this one time where like this couple or this like wife forgot where she left her purse and the husband's like oh let's check the cameras and then he found like a clip of them like sleeping on the couch like the couple cause they're watching TV and they fell asleep and then like the camera also like captures their like staircase and they saw like a man on their staircase because he like scaled their like building and like climbed in through a window and the guy was just like standing there like watching him sleep or watching him sleep that's like literally my worst fear man that's why I don't want cameras but I'm like I kind of want the safety you just don't want to see it <laughs> yeah like imagine like what are you gonna do did you just see that? Cry. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss.
0: <laughs> yeah. I can't go home. <laughs> I can't. I'm so scared. I- Please don't leave me home alone. <laughs> I'm alone.
2: Oh my god. Can you come on and make dinner?
1: <laughs> no, I don't want to leave home.
2: Done this when we had like plans after. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not when we all had to go home. And
2: no, cooking. you
1: know, like, like sometimes, I like have like sometimes I'm like sitting in bed and have this like sudden urge. This happened to me like the, the other day. I I was like in bed. I just like had the urge to like get out of bed. And I was like, I'm just gonna like, check the doors if they're locked. And my freaking front door was unlocked. <gasps> I think like it's either me or my brother left it unlocked. I'm like, oh my god, it's like a sign, like. Like I never get out of bed like in the middle of the night and they're just like
2: You just got out? Yeah, like I was
1: just like like I was just like bored of like laying in bed all day. I'm like, oh like I was just like stretch my legs and I was like walking and then I just like looked down and the freaking door was unlocked.
2: Was it like late at night?
1: Yeah, it was like one in the morning.
2: Bro. what if it's like yeah. a gut sign that something could have happened?
1: That's what I'm saying. I'm like, this shit's not real. Imagine you and you just hear like a boom, boom, boom. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I can't. You Crystal, you're not leaving. <laughs> no. Crystal, you're not allowed to leave. I'm not staying here. But I'm so hungry.
0: I'm so scared. <laughs> look at the freaking lines. <laughs> I know. I'm so scared. Oh I can't.
2: Oh my god. Wait, is it dark outside now?
0: Yeah, for sure. Hmm. It's dark outside. Oh yeah.
2: Wait, but I need to sleep early tonight. Oh my god. It's cool, tomorrow. We too. We all do.
0: Oh
1: yeah. Well I literally like can't get out I I can't do this.
2: Okay. Should we end the podcast? Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace.
0: Peace out.